Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, today we are looking at Proverbs 16, and this is a little bit of a longer proverb, so I would, as usual, just encourage you, if you have the time and are able, to go ahead and pause and read through this proverb in its entirety so that you can get a little bit of context and background for what we're going to be talking about today. As a general theme for this proverb, what I see as I read this is that the the overall thrust of of this passage is about contrasting the foolishness of pride against the wisdom of humility. And this passage also gets into exactly what is true, real humility. Is it thinking less of yourself like so many people seem to have in their heads of just having this very inwardly focused low self-esteem or is humility just about recognizing who you are rightly in relationship to to God to your creator and I think it's the latter and we're going to see example after example of that in this passage as I was reading this I was reminded actually of the story of the centurion in Luke chapter 7 And that's probably because we're going through the gospel of Luke with the youth right now but as I was, Uh, studying for that and just reading through that passage, I was reminded in some ways of some parallels here of just this idea about how the centurion recognized that he was a man under authority, as he says, and that because of that, he sort of just had this understanding that, listen, I'm not, I'm not top dog here. (laughs) And so I don't get to just dictate to people who basically outrank me what they do, where they go, and the decisions they make. I don't get to I don't get to exercise that kind of authority over them. And this Roman centurion understood who Jesus really was, and he realized that he was outranked by this preacher from Nazareth because he understood who Jesus really was. And and so he placed himself rightly under the authority of Jesus and said, Listen, there's a lot of people in my life that I could tell where to go and when, you are not one of those people, Jesus. Uh, So I'm going to defer to you, and I'm going to submit to you. You get to decide if you even need to come here to, to heal my servant or not. And as it says, Jesus was amazed at this man's faith and said, wow, like this, I haven't even seen this kind of understanding and faith in Israel. And so, of course, he heals the servant. But In the same way, as we're looking at a passage like Proverbs 16, I see that same idea that real humility in the way that it gets portrayed in this proverb is understanding rightly who we really are in relation to God, that we don't get to dictate to God where he goes and how he moves and what he does, that we need to submit to him. And no matter what we think we should do or how we sort of conceive of what our plans should be and so forth, Ultimately, we need to rest and and sort of hand that over to God and hold it with an open hand, I guess we could say, and to submit our will to his will, which is exactly, by the way, what Jesus prayed in the garden. Not my will, but your will be done, uh, speaking to the Father as he was about to go to the cross. 
And so by recognizing that we are all creatures, first of all, that we're all creatures, and as creatures, we are subject to the authority of the creator, so therefore we're all under God's authority, and then we need to humble ourselves before him because that is the proper relationship of creature to creator, and then submitting our wills to his. If we do that uh, and then live according to his word, then these are the kinds of things that are going to keep us in fellowship with God, and they're going to ultimately result in blessing. And part of the reason for that is that it is it goes to sort of the way that God has, I, I think, constructed the universe, that not only does the universe operate under certain physical principles uh, of like physics and uh, gravity, but that God has also, I believe, designed the universe to operate with certain moral and spiritual principles as well that are in some ways just as constant as things like gravity here on earth. That if you uh, stand under a coconut tree, gravity can pull a coconut down and uh, can hit you in the head with it and and ultimately uh, can kill you. In the same way that there are certain moral and spiritual principles that are just like standing under a coconut tree is a bad idea because of the physics uh, and the, the force of gravity, that making certain spiritual decisions, including living outside of God's prescribed way of living in right relationship with him and, and properly understanding our relationship to him in the first place, is going to result in uh, spiritual and moral shipwreck. And so with that in mind, part of the issue here is that I think God is saying to us, listen, I've built things a certain way as the creator. The closer that you can align your life to those principles and live with them rather than striving against them, the better it's going to go for you because that's how I've built things. I've built you to be in right relationship to me. And part of that comes from recognizing, humbling yourself and recognizing that There is a creator and you are not him. And so that's part of what we see here in the humility that keeps getting mentioned in this proverb. And I want us to note, as we look at a couple verses in particular, how God's blessing is explicitly not tied to material wealth and gain. I'm going to say that again, because in our culture, especially here in America, this is a point of theology that absolutely needs to get hammered home. God's blessing is explicitly not tied to material wealth or gain. Let's look at a few verses that ex- that illustrate exactly that point. In verse 8 of Proverbs 16, it says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. In verse 16, it says, How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. And then finally in verse 19, It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. The contrast that keeps coming up is that the choice sometimes is between righteousness and fellowship with God and material gain. And I'm not saying that the Bible teaches that those things are always mutually exclusive, but we do also remember the story of the rich man, don't we? 
that Jesus told him to go sell everything that he had and he walked away depressed. And Jesus said, I'm telling you, it is easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter heaven. That doesn't mean that it's impossible for rich people to go to heaven. But what he's saying is there is a choice that people have to make and they have to choose one over the other. Jesus said it is impossible to serve God and money. And so the uh, preaching that we find ourselves hearing increasingly here in our country for sure, but just in the West in general, is this prosperity gospel that God desires for you, that it is his will for you to be healthy and wealthy, to never get sick, to have massive amounts of money. And I'm telling you, that is not what the Bible teaches. We see it right here in Proverbs 16, but we also see it in the New Testament. Jesus said, Listen, if they treated me this way, do you think that as my disciples, you're not greater than your master, are you? You're going to get treated the same way, that in this life, you will have trouble, that we should expect to suffer for our belief uh, as Christians in Jesus. We should expect to have trials and tribulations and difficult times in this life. This life is not supposed to be our best life. Our best life is supposed to be in the life to come when we are with God forever in bodies that will last forever in a creation that will last forever doing meaningful work alongside each other and God forever. So this prosperity gospel is, it's just unbiblical. And I want to be very clear about that because it seems like the water is getting muddier and muddier uh, each passing year here in America. And it it frankly is unbiblical because it ignores passages just like this one. And so uh, the intent of this passage, I think, could not be more clear that part of what humility entails and part of what the blessing that comes from humility entails, it comes because we recognize ourselves properly in this relationship. I exist, according to scripture, to bring glory to God. God created me for that purpose, to live in right relationship to him and enjoy him and therefore bring glory to him. God does not exist to bring glory to me. And and that is basically what the prosperity gospel teaches. It completely inverts the power structure and the relationship uh, between God and man. The way that God designed it to work is that we are the creatures and God created us to enjoy him and to enjoy what he made, but ultimately to bring glory to him. God does not exist for me. I exist for God. And a a gospel centered around God existing for me to meet my needs, to make me happy, to make me comfortable in this life is frankly another gospel. It is not a gospel that can save. It is not a gospel that has and puts Christ properly where he belongs. And it is a gospel that completely ignores man's deepest need. Our deepest needs are not physical. Our deepest need is spiritual. And any gospel message that ignores that is not a gospel that can save. 